Hello and welcome to episode 147 of the NFL Scotland podcast. The dust has fully settled on the 2021 NFL draft. We're back to pick apart the pieces once again. My name is Cameron Hobbs. And my name is Paul Mitchell. We'll also be talking about a potential landing spot for Aaron Rodgers. Could he be replacing Cameron Hobbs on the NFL Scotland podcast? Who knows if the offer is good enough? You just never know what might happen. Listen, one huffy git is enough on this podcast. There's no point adding a second one, Mitchell, right? (laughs) (laughs) And to do all that, we're absolutely delighted to be joined by the latest member of the NFL Scotland team, the Scottish Claymore World Bowl winning quarterback himself, Jim Ballard. First of all, Jim, welcome to the NFL Scotland podcast team. I appreciate it. I appreciate the intro. Greatest greatest victory since William Wallace, they said. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, let me tell you, I've, I've watched the World Bowl highlights more than I've watched Braveheart, that's for sure. So we'll go with that. Absolutely every single point. I love it. Um, Jim, we obviously got you on before the draft. Uh, and we talked about all the pieces, all the things that might happen. Uh, and, uh, you know, all the, all the plans were ripped up as soon as pick three came out and Trey Lance went to the Niners. And... After that, it was the the usual crapshoot. They'll tell us it's organized and they knew what they were doing, but it was like, good God, what's happening? That player's gone. Who can we take? Um, Fascinating draft. Great to see the crowds back once again, just up the road from yourself. Um, Was there a lot of buzz around Cleveland, first of all, with the whole draft taking place there? Absolutely. I mean, the, you know, the draft in itself is just a special thing. I, I mean, I still get giddy giddy as a kid about it. Now I get to share that with, with my son, Jack, who's 10 years old. And, uh, you know, all the momentum after the Brown season last year and then getting the draft in Cleveland and, you know, the fans being the way that they are just blue collar, good people that just love football that see it in, in Cleveland after the year that the Browns had was, was awesome. I was fortunate enough to, to watch the draft with my son and, uh, my wife at uh, Firestone country club. Uh, where they had a, some of the other alumni, Beasley Reese was in, Bardo, Steve Largent, um, you know, some guys like that. Uh, it was it was just a fantastic day. It was a fantastic night. Um, a lot of fun to watch the draft. And um, yeah, I I was I was shocked by the Lance pick, as I think a lot of people were outside of San Francisco. Um, I didn't. I think they, they they played it right. They didn't show their hand. They didn't even want to tip it. It's like, yeah, we're we're fine with it, with any of those guys, knowing full well that Wilson was going to go one, or Lawrence was going to go, and then you know that Wilson was probably going to go to the Jets after that, which they did, and then they just they couldn't get that pick in fast enough. So, fascinating draft. The pieces after that, you know, was some of the things that I liked. You know, you get Trevor Lawrence, and what do you do? You put him with Travis Etienne, the guy's been handing the ball off to for Clemson for three years. What a special talent he is. So. A lot of great, uh, a lot of teams had great drafts, um, and it was a lot of fun to watch. And, and I'm excited about talking about it more today. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I mean, we've talked about this briefly, Paul, on the podcast already. Trey Lance, obviously, coming in at the Niners. I, Mac Jones was the name. It was the bookie's favorite. Then on the day off, it shifted and it was focused on Trey Lance. Justin Fields had originally been in that conversation. People expected him to go so high. Uh, obviously, that kind of fell away. Um, I think that the the question mark now is when do we see Trey Lance play? Uh, and I guess that's probably the the most significant talking point outside of the one and two, who we know are going straight in there to start for their teams. If you're drafting a quarterback in the top five, I can rest assured the fan base wants to see him. If you're drafting in the top five positions at quarterback, you've got an issue with your own quarterback 
and you want to see them. Now, it'll be interesting, I mean, to see what Jim thinks, but, I mean, what can Jimmy Garoppolo do if he's even on that roster? You know, to me, he's on a losing streak. It doesn't actually matter what he does. Uh, he could perform brilliantly, and he still knows he's going to lose his job at some point. He could perform poorly, and everybody will say, well, we've got Trey Lance, stick him in. I think it's very difficult for the senior quarterback to come out of this uh, w- with anything that they can they can do. I mean, Jim, what's your thought? I mean, Jimmy Garoppolo, for me, is an impossible place at the moment. You, you know, it's. It, it, I think he's handled the situation right. Um, you know, he, he's come out and said, you know what, I'll, I'll be a mentor to Trey Lance. I'll, I'll show him the ropes. I'll you know, be there for him to, you know, through ups and downs and, and, and things like that. And the question mark is, is, is what's Trey going to do? Is he going to grasp the offense, the West Coast offense? Is he going to be comfortable, you know, more under center a little bit with some of the play action stuff that Sh- uh, Shanahan uses with, um, you know, a heavy run game with, you know, the tight ends, you know, being uh, used a lot more. Um, is he going to adapt to that? You know, he's only got 17 starts under his belt. Garoppolo, you know, it's, it's not like you can write Garoppolo off. I, I, he was hurt last year. He still threw seven touchdowns and five interceptions. The year before that, he threw for almost 4,000 yards, 27 touchdowns, 13 interceptions, pass rating of 102. The guy's not done. The guy's not done. He went out there for, for a reason. They paid him a lot of money from New England. And he's played well when he's had opportunities. And you can't discount that. He's got NFL experience. He's been around the game for a while. Um I still think he's going to get the, the first reps with Lance sharing some of them. And I think they're, they're, they're going to just let it play out the way that it does. If San Francisco does end up starting Garoppolo and they lose a couple games early, then of course everybody's going to be screaming to play Lance. But I, I don't think that's a done deal where he just comes in. And even though he was drafted so highly in the top, you know, top six or whatever it was, he's not going to be the anointed one right away. Yeah. I think as a fan, I think it's, it, it's a unique opportunity for Trey Lance because if the Niners can get him ready enough that he can step in when Jimmy's either off form or injured, because he, the injury question mark is definitely there, he can kind of sit and take his time and just know, you know, I just got to be ready when the chance comes. I've not got to sit and panic from now till week one thinking, good God, I'm going to go be straight out there. I've got to get this team under my control. With that lack of experience compared to some of the other guys that have gone in the draft, he knows unless something weird happens to Jimmy in preseason, he isn't going to start week one. So he can the pressure's off a little bit. He can watch, he can learn, he can observe without that additional stress of immediately having to go out there and prove it. The Niners are then in that situation as well where, you know, again, if Jimmy's having a bad game quarter three and we, we're still in it, then maybe you do throw Lance in there and see if he can turn it around for you. And he's got nothing to lose because if you're already trending south and he's not able to turn it around, well... The blame's still sitting on Jimmy. You can kind of fob that off to their previous quarterback. The injury happens. That's obviously a different thing that comes into the mix. You're then looking for Lance to come in and play. But I do. I think you're right, Paul. I think there's chatter about, you know, they're going to sit him for two years. I can't see that happening. I can't see a situation where we get to the draft next year in Vegas, which, by the way, side note, we'll all go, yeah? I think Jim sold it for us, so let's say Vegas next year. Um, But I don't think there's any chance we get to that. And you've got San Francisco 49ers fans going, we've got no first-round pick, and we've not even seen the first-round pick from last year play. I don't see that being the case either. I just don't think he'll have been, unless something unusual happens, I don't think he'll have um, been given that starting job he may have won it because he he's deserved to win it he may have shown or he may be in it because of injury i don't think though they're just going to chuck him in there and say right go and show us what you can do beyond that then um 
we move down and we'll come back and we'll talk about one and two because it ties in nicely to the games that are taking place in London this year. But if we stick with the quarterbacks that come after, Chicago Bears then trade up and go and get Justin Fields. Uh, again, a guy, Jim, that's played his football very close to your home um, in Ohio, a very popular player as well. Um, do you think that Chicago made the right choice to, to trade again and go and get a quarterback? Um. You know, you got Andy Dalton, who's, you know, the starter. Again, a very similar situation to what's going out in San Francisco. Dalton played pretty well last year, kind of had a bounce back year with the Cowboys. You know, they didn't win a lot, but he played well with what, what they had to deal with. They had the worst defense in the league, hence them taking a ton of defensive picks on draft day, both days. Um, I, it's, it's interesting now that we step back from the draft and, and, and evaluate it and look at it. Mac Jones drops all the way down to New England, right? That he couldn't have landed at a better spot. And landing with the Patriots and you could see you could see when he hugged Goodell when he came in I think he said something along the lines of this is where I wanted to go all along or something to that effect so he ends up with New England he was being rumored top five like Lance and Wilson and, and then all those guys and then Chicago trades up to get Justin Fields obviously that says a lot about what they think about him they did their homework on him he's an incredible talent as you said he's an Ohio Ohio State guy that I, I watched pretty much every week his ability to compete he's tough he plays in cold weather. He handles the elements. Um, he's a much better uh, passer than what Trubisky was. Trubisky, I mean, everybody wants to bag on him. But if you look at his stats, I mean, he wasn't awful. You, you know, I mean, you, you run him out of there like he was this guy that went like four and, you know, 30 as a starter. The guy, you know, made it to a Pro Bowl, threw for 3,000 yards. I mean, he was very efficient. But I think Fields is just a step better with more experience in college. That's the element that he brings. You know, he's more athletic than what Trubisky was. And I watched Trubisky in high school put together two of the best high school games back-to-back I've ever seen. They played St. Ignatius, which has put out new, the, the offensive lineman from uh, uh, Notre Dame that got drafted as Ignatius kid, and, a, and, a, and against St. Ed's, who's put numerous guys in the NFL. He threw for 500 yards and ran for over 100 in both those games in high school. 600 yards of offense against the two best teams in the state. Tremendous athlete. I think Fields is better. I know that they really like him. And I think that, you know, same situations where, you know, like Pat Mahomes and Alex Smith. Remember, Pat Mahomes didn't get on the field. Everybody's like, well, you know, what's going on? And then all of a sudden he gets his opportunity and now he's, you know, an MVP candidate. The, the fact that he was able to sit and learn from a guy like Alex Smith and digest the game and understand the offense because Andy Reid, his offense is so complex with different formations and motions and shifts. And he's always looking to take advantage of the matchups and how he calls it. an unbelievable play caller. I, lo I love watching the Chiefs play because of how good Andy Reid is at utilizing his players, you know, for him to sit that year, you know, this is some of the things, these are some of the things that these young quarterbacks can benefit from having a guy like Garoppolo and Dalton who have both made it, you know, to the pro bowl and they've been successful. So they can sit back a little bit, and still push the envelope and compete, because these guys are. But it's not going to be an awful thing if they don't start right away. And, Paul, we talk Jim, about – sorry, I was just going to say, we talk about being a copycat league, Paul. Do you think this is where we're going to go now? Uh, we're going to see more and more of the, the Mahomes approach to, you know, put him behind a quarterback for a year and see what he can do. No, because I don't think every team has the luxury to do that. I think Kansas had the luxury. Mahomes was outside the top ten. In terms of drafting, uh, I think a couple of things. I mean, Trubisky suffered because of Mahomes, you know, coming out of the same class but lower down. I'm just wondering if, you know, Mac Jones is going to be 
that sort of Mahomes character that everybody's going to refer to. You know, well, you know, we we took Lance or we took Fields, but you know, and we we passed on Mac Jones. That's a strong possibility. I think what what I'd like to ask Jim is, I mean, Justin Fields. The hardest thing for him, it would appear to have done, was trying to smile when he when he had the Chicago Bears jersey on. I don't know if Justin Fields was mentally ready to be drafted by Chicago. I'm not sure that ever crossed his mind. How much does that play on someone that they find themselves perhaps in a situation? You know, they've gone through the draft. They know where they might have gone. This might not be the landing spot he was looking for. How, how do you react to that? Yeah, it's, it's a good point. But at the end of the day, you you really don't know where you're going to go or how it's going to play out or who's going to trade up or, you know, Chicago trading up was a perfect example. And, you know, the only surefire thing was, you know, Trevor Lawrence going one. And then after that, it was really, you just, you just didn't know. So you, you can have your, your heart set on, man, I'd, I'd, I'd love to play for the Cowboys or I'd love to play for whoever that is. And if it doesn't happen, it's like, all right, step back, evaluate the situation. What am I going into? Well, you're going into a, a system that is that is very good. You got a great young head coach. Um, their division is, you know, Chicago, Detroit. You know, it's not, you know, top to bottom. Uh, you know, an unbelievable division. So there's that. Chicago, as far as nightlife for a young kid, that's not hurtful. Um, and you, you got again, you got Matt Nagy, who's who's the head coach, who does who's done a great job and what he's done with the pieces that he's had and. You know, he's young, he's innovative, and um, I think Justin's going to do well in Chicago. I really do. Whether it's this year or next year, I, I see him being a, a pretty good pro, to say the least. How significant is it, Jim, that the, the two players that we're talking about there, both Lance and Fields, uh, are sitting behind quarterbacks who have a very different style probably to what they are? And again, looking at that Alex Smith-Patrick Mahomes comparison, what the Chiefs had in Mahomes was very different to what they had in Alex Smith. Um, is it beneficial, do you think, for a slightly more uh, flamboyant and uh, artistic quarterback to sit behind someone that's perhaps a better game manager and learn those fundamentals before they then go in and show what they're capable of? Is that a, an important part of the game that's a transition from college to the NFL where actually you could sling, the, you know, Justin Fields at Ohio State could just sling it every week. He didn't necessarily need to worry about anything else. In the NFL, you're not going to get that opportunity all the time. So is it an important step for these guys to learn how to manage a game when you are under the cosh, when you've got uh, an amazing defensive line on top of you? Yeah, you, you, you know, and this is an every level thing that I, that I teach my quarterbacks. You know, you there's there's three things you need to know on every single play. Where am I at on the field? What's down in distance? And how much time and timeouts do I have left? That's before you even look at the defense. And then they're getting certain situations like the red zone. These things can't happen. No sacks, no turnovers, no penalties. In the NFL, if you get inside the red zone, that's almost guaranteed three points. You just don't force the ball ever. You know, we had. Uh, 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 the kid with the Browns that played at Notre Dame um, a few years back. Space on his name. But anyways, uh, I just had it. Anyways, he turned the ball over nine, nine times in the red zone. And it was infuriating to, to see. And, he, and he, was, uh, he was an Ohio kid. I can't believe I can't remember his name. But anyways, you, you, you just know that in certain situations you, you can't do this. And then you know, if man, I've got a great defense then you don't have to have the pressure of 
you know, going out there every week and throwing for, you know, like Burroughs, throwing for 350 and four touchdowns and then still maybe losing 35 to 28. You know, you might only have to throw 20 times a game because you got a great defense, you got, you know, special teams and you can run the ball. So I think every situation is different as far as, you know, quarterbacks being there and what, what they're going to do once they get into those situations, whether it's you're a dropback guy or an RPO guy. These guys in the NFL are good enough to build the offense around the players that they have. And it might be a variation of what they do. Of course it's going to be. You know, Justin Fields brings the, the added dimension of being able to run that Andy Dalton really can. He can run, you know, some of the, you know, quarterback sweeps or, you know, uh, you know, sprint him out more because he can run better than, than Dalton. So you just adjust the playbook to what, what he, he can do when he's in there. And uh, Deshaun yeah, Kaiser. Thing was, yeah. yeah. Don, no, I, Deshaun I, I, Kaiser. Thank yeah. you. Toledo Central yeah. Catholic. <laughs> yeah. Um, who's, who's currently on the, the practice squad on a futures contract with Tennessee at the moment. So he hasn't actually, he hasn't had a down since playing for Green Bay in 2018, which is, you know, and there's sometimes, a lot of, you know, that, the, yeah. that, sorry, Cameron, the point I was going to make, and, and, and again, to get both your thoughts on that, I mean, he was in a hard situation in Cleveland. He played 15 times for them. He started three games for Green Bay the following year, but we've not seen him. Now, he's still a good quarterback. He's a talented guy. But you mentioned it, Jim, the red zone. I mean, his intercept touchdowns, 11 interceptions, 22. Green Bay touchdowns, zero interceptions, two. So, you know, he had a tough time. And you said he, he was forcing it a little bit. A lot. Yeah. And, I mean, you know, throwing a pick on first down. You know, there was I forget there was there was one game where he threw two or three picks and, and two were inside the red zone and it was on first or second down. If my high school kids, my high school quarterbacks that I trained would throw two picks in the red zone like that, I'd break my leg off and up to the kneecap. <laughs> you just don't do it. That's it. You just you discipline yourself enough to throw the ball away and realize I've got second down or I've got third down. Or, you know, depending on where you're at, it might have four. So what's you, you don't need to do that. And then, you know, then, you, like I said, you get in the red zone in the NFL, that's almost guaranteed three points. And it's hard to get into the red zone. And when you're there, you got to make the most of those opportunities. The, the player that it always reminds me of with that when we start talking about that is Nathan Peterman. And, of course, the debut from hell he had. Um, I, think I felt was, bad for that kid. I, and it felt like he was absolutely hung out to dry there. And it just, yeah, another one where he just kept forcing it. And th- this is always the risk. You know, he, he wasn't thrown in necessarily right away. He was put in behind Tyrod Taylor, uh, eventually came in um, and just, yeah, threw interceptions. And it just was, yeah, it was hard to watch that. Very hard to watch. Um, and I guess that that's the, the difference there, uh, coming back to the point where, you know, Tyro, Tyro Taylor's a, a decent quarterback, but actually behind someone like Dalton, behind even Jimmy, um, you've got that experienced pro in front of you that just knows how to manage the game. And I think it, it definitely does feel like a really important piece. And it, it's it's about further development. It's not about saying this quarterback's ready, let's chuck them in, let's see what they can do. Um, it is about continuing to grow. This is the long-term strategy from both the Bears and the Niners, and to, and to an extent the Patriots as well. You know, Mac Jones isn't necessarily a guy with a huge amount of experience either. He'll go into New England, and I guess the question is going to be: Does Cam Newton start Week One, or does Mac Jones? I don't think anyone will be surprised to see Cam Newton start because we know he's still, you know, sort of capable of of the the big plays that we saw at the start of last season. Um, uh, and they're getting and, a lot of. Yeah. I'm sorry to interrupt. And they're getting a lot of players back from COVID last year. Yeah. 
you know, they're going to be, they're going to be a completely different team. People are like, Oh, New England was awful. Cam Newton was coming off an injury. You know, he signs back with them this year. Josh McDaniels had to, you know, and then there was no off season. So, you know, he's kind of guessing on what he can do well with the pieces they have in New England, you know, compared to what he did in Carolina. And I mean, it was just a tough year all the way around for, for quarterbacks last year. And, um, you know, Josh is going to do a great job with him this year. I don't see Mac Jones starting. I really don't. I think it's it's Cam's show with all the pieces they got back. They got a, back, uh, you know, a lot of their defensive players that were out. And um, you know, New England's going to be right about ten and six this year. Mark my words. They're going to get. They're going to give the Bills fits, even though the Bills are better. New England's that much better this year too. Yeah. Moving on from those guys, and again, I'm saving the top two for right at the end because we'll we'll tie it into the London game chat. But Kyle Trask obviously goes to Tampa. Um, had some success in Florida, I think. Uh, Kellen Mond then goes to the Vikings. Davis Mills goes to the Texans. Um, which of those picks was the most interesting to you, Jim? I thought it was interesting. Trask went to, to Tampa. You know, he's he's kind of a gunslinger. Gunslinger. He had a really good year last year. Had a lot of weapons around him. Um. For him, just knowing, man, I don't, I don't have to do anything. <laughs> All I need to do is just be anywhere remotely close to Brady and just sponge in everything that I can. And, and that's what he's going to do. I mean, he's going to learn from the best. You know, you're going to see a true pro's pro. Um, you know, nobody's done it better than this guy. He's, he's won seven Super Bowls. And when he walks, walks into the room, immediately everybody's like, oh, shit, you know, I got to elevate my game. Kind of like. You know what Elway did when he went out to Denver? You know, he he elevated that room and, you know, Trask is going to benefit greatly from that. And, you know, being able to meet and spend time with Brady, watch how he operates, ask the questions that need answered. Brady's going to give him, you know, real answers and not, you know, blow him off because he's a rookie. He's going to try and help him. Um, Who knows if if, if Trask is is the future of Tampa Bay because you you just don't know how long Brady can play. (laughs) And we've seen that in Green Bay for a for a long time, right? I mean, Rodgers had to wait forever yeah. behind Favre, and then you know, then they then they took the you know the kid last year because they thought that Rodgers was you know kind of coming down as far as what his game was. Okay, all, all that did was just piss him off <laughs> and make him play harder. And I mean, what an unbelievable year, year he had! And now he's in a situation where we don't know if he's going to be back. So. I, I like the trash pick going to Tampa, though. I think he's in a good spot. He's, a, you know, he's down in Florida anyways, and to be able to learn from, from, from Brady and play for Coach Arians, I mean, a, an unbelievable offensive mind. One of the, one of the best to do it to go down is, is one of the best offensive minds in the game. I mean, it, it really doesn't get too much better than that. How important is it staying in state? You know, obviously playing in Florida, staying in Florida. Do you think that's a big contributing factor for a quarterback? Or are you ready to pack your bags and go wherever you need to go? I know for me, because I didn't have, I've never, you know, I wasn't a D1 guy. I was a D3 guy. I mean, I, you know, I, I went to London. I went to Scotland. I went to Saskatchewan, you know, Regina, Saskatchewan. <laughs> I mean, I went to Toronto. I mean, I, I, I would have gone anywhere to play. You know, you just have to be ready to go wherever it is. There's obviously some positives, especially if you're a Florida kid, but there can be distractions too. We've seen a lot of guys that, you know, they, you know, they might not do all the things that you'd like to have them do off the field. And it's real easy when I can run back to my boys, you know, and especially if you're, you know, in college and, you know, there's been, you know, different instances where guys were still ganged up and stuff like that. And, um, 
you know, when you're around those kinds of people, sooner or later, bad things are going to happen. So you just got to be careful of that. And then there's, you know, especially now if you're a first or second round pick, there's always going to be people with their hand out and wanting to, you know, hang it on and, and be one of your boys and then the entourage and all that. And I mean, that, that, that can be a, a big downfall if, if, if you're not, you know, mature enough to handle it. Yeah. You know, Cameron, I'm interested in Davis Mills because obviously being drafted by Houston, everything that's going on at the Texans, it doesn't look like the kind of place, you know, the, I mean, Kyle Trask, as Jim said, has landed absolutely beautifully. I don't think you could have asked for a better spot to land. Davis Mills, wow. You know, he, he's going into an organisation that's seen seismic change in the last 12 to 18 months, you know, on the field, off the field. And... It's a really difficult spot for him to go into. Although you could argue the other way that if he does get to play, probably very little is expected of him. You know, I mean, he set school records uh, at Stanford. He's, you know, he's a big lad at six four. Um, you know, he's well proportioned. He's got a good arm on him. I, I just fascinated to see if he makes the field and and what he can do. Yeah, he, the the big thing for him is he he doesn't move that well. So if, if, if teams are able to blitz him and, you know, it's hard to say. And um, I, I, I don't know much about I mean, I watched him a little bit out in Stanford. Um, as you said, he was a, an elite 11 guy. He was a five-star recruit coming out. Um, but there's a lot of things going on in, in Houston. There's a lot of distractions with, with Watson and, you know, how's that going to play out? And, you know, is he going to be around? Is he going to be, I mean, if he is around, is he going to be suspended? Is it going to be, you know, if he does get suspended, is it going to be four weeks? Is it going to be eight weeks, you know, or does he even, you know, does this even get done for him to even get on the field? I mean, it, it is a big question mark right now. And uh, for to have this happen to Houston in the off season, obviously wasn't something that was foreseen or, but it's a it's a really difficult thing to deal with as an organization when the face of your franchise, who's done so many good things, you know, all this comes out, you know, right around the draft. Then it's just like, dang. Well, how are we going to fix it? So we'll see if those questions get answered. And we spoke about this as well a little bit on the on the pod, Paul, uh, when it first came out. Uh, and I think I argued with Gordon on the the NFL Scotland WhatsApp channel uh, a little bit about this as well. I still cannot understand what the Texans were doing here. Like, their first pick that they've got in the 2021 draft, and they go get a quarterback. And they go get a quarterback that's decent without being sensational. If it, if Watson is moving on, I don't think for a second Davis Mills is the guy that they've got. Well, he's the replacement. Uh, and I think it's testament that you look at, and, and, I, and I know what people will say, right, but you look at some of the mock drafts already for next year and all the analysts have got the Texans picking first overall and going for another quarterback because Watson will have moved on and Davis Mills isn't the guy. So what's, what's the point in spending your first round pick on that? We, we saw Watson last year and we saw Watson get hurried and hassled and, and put under pressure because that offensive line is subpar. Um, it's not the worst in the league, but it's bottom 10 for sure uh, and there's holes all across it now if you've got someone like Watson who is mobile and agile and can is creative and can make things happen that's great but to your point Jim if you've got someone who's maybe not a great person who could whose mobility is not brilliant they're going to get absolutely butchered uh, and that's not setting that kid up for success either so for me no, I just not. I just look at the whole thing and go like what's the play here where's the strategy behind this pick what is what are the Texans trying to achieve in this next year is Davis Mills in the best position where he can go and prove it and show that what he's all about? 
Probably not. If he sits behind Tyrod Taylor, what are you going to learn about him enough that you can make a decision about what quarterback you do or don't go for next year? It just... I don't know. I, I get that there's a load of people who say I don't hate it because they need a backup quarterback and what have you. For me, there's plenty of serviceable older veteran guys that you could have gone and put in behind Tyrod Taylor. You've got two guys that will see you through. You're going to have a bad year regardless because your franchise is in a bit of a shambles. So you suck it up. You take the losses on the chin and you already are looking forward to 2022. I know that's not the attitude. I know that's not how teams work. They all go in thinking they're going to win. But I just, I, I don't get the strategy behind it at all. I I'm, I'm with you. I, I can completely agree with you. They did they did add Ryan Finley too. He's in the mix, but again, this is an offensive line that was wasn't very good. They didn't address it. You know, they took they took Davis Mills in the third. They took Nico Collins from Michigan in the third, a wideout. Then they took a tight end in the, in the fifth. Um, and they only had two other picks left: the Wallow kid from TCU and Lopez from Arizona. So I mean, Nick Nick Cesario is a is is a, an Ohio guy. Uh, he's a New England Patriot, you know, tree guy, if you want to say. Um, a lot of those guys are going on doing doing great things. So I'm interested to see what he does, you know, why he took the pieces that he did. I mean, he's been parts of great drafts in New England for years, and he's been very good at putting players on the roster that made sense for that team. So, you know, this might be one of those things that they do pick first next year again because it, it might be a two- or a three-year plan, whatever it is. Um, Nick's proven himself in the past, so we'll just have to wait and see how this plays out. Um, I don't see Davis Mills, you know, Tyrod's going to – if Deshaun's not there, Tyrod's going to start. It's just that simple. And Mills might be two, and, you know, who, who knows, you know, what Finley does. Maybe he – you know, he's got three years. He's got some experience in the league, uh, more than what Mills does, obviously, being a rookie. So – you know, it's going to have to play out. They still have David Johnson on the on the roster. They picked up Mark Ingram in the offseason, which was a good pickup, and, and Philip Lindsay. So, I mean, they've got some good backs that they can turn to hand the ball off to. But as you said, like last year, if Deshaun, if, uh, Deshaun Watson is not on that roster as a quarterback, the amount of sacks goes up probably 20 to 25. Yeah. So sooner or later, you know, you're going to have to throw the ball, and, and these guys are going to have to get it done. And the offensive line is going to have to – you know, take some, you know, big steps for that to happen. Yeah. So Cameron, Cameron, you would ask, is it, was there talent there that they could have taken? Well, look at the two of the next three picks that came after Davis Mills, Jalen Mayfield uh, from Michigan and Brady Christensen from BYU. You know, both, I think, would make a difference to their offensive line. You know, obviously Carolina and Atlanta thought so, you know, top 70 picks. So there was talent there for the line. They just went in a different direction and say, Jim might... As you explained it, it might be part of a larger plan and, and see where it goes. Anyway, enough of all this nonsense because you've been talking about quarterbacks that don't matter. What about Ian Book going to the Saints? <laughs> that's, that, that's the real real subject we've got to talk about here. A fourth round steal by the New Orleans Saints. Jim, tell me something nice about Ian Book that's going to make my heart feel good. He's a competitor, man. I, I like the way that he plays. He's a he's a wear it on the sleeve kind of guy. He's a rah rah guy. You know, he, he's a guy that if it's fourth and three, he's going to put his head down and try and run you over. I mean, he had unbelievable success, success at Notre Dame. Um, you know, he's athletic. He can move. He's he he passed the ball well. He let you know. I think he was the all time leader in wins in Notre Dame history as a starter. Um, and now you go down and, and now you're going to play for Sean Payton in New Orleans. I mean, one again, one of the best offensive minds ever. 
you know, we saw what he did with Drew Brees. Uh, you still got Jameis Winston down there. Um, and then you still have uh, the uh, the Swiss knife, Army knife. Yeah, Taysom, who, Taysom Hill. Taysom Hill, who can play. So Ian, Ian's in a good position to learn from both those guys. Um, so I, I, I'm excited to see what he's going to do. I'm, I'm excited to see what, what uh, Jameis Winston's going to do because he he's one of those quarterbacks talking about turnovers. That guy's never figured it out. He was turning the ball over when he was in college, but they were just such a good team that they could still overcome it and win national championships. You know, he, you know, two years ago, he threw over 30 interceptions, plus he fumbled like eight times. I mean, that's that's three turnovers a game or two, two a game. So, you know, Ian Book's one of those guys that, that, that seems to be a better game manager. He's more athletic than what Jameis is, so maybe he comes in and pushes him. And, you know, you still got Taysom Hill, which he, he did some good things when he had some starts last year. So I'm excited to see how that, that whole dynamic plays out between those three guys. But I, I still think it's going to be Taysom or Jameis that starts, and, you know, Book probably will end up being three. I would say. And it's a good point. You know, Notre Dame just made it to the the college semifinals. You know, they had a great season. Uh, And a lot of that was built on their defense. There's definitely that is the case. But you don't get to that position in the college game unless you've got a great offense as well. So, you know, we've given Paul some stick because it's funny and we like doing it. But, you know, you never know. We've seen players go as deep down... Uh, the rounds in that and going to be a great success. So you never know. And again, it'd be interesting to see what the plan is with him. Uh, I Is it a case of Parkham? Is it a case of work out whether Winston or Hill gives you the best opportunity to win? Uh, is it like, Jameis, it's yours until you chuck it away because we've got Taysom sitting ready to step in and take over? Maybe that will just raise Jameson's uh, game this season. Again, we like to point out to Paul, Winston didn't throw a single interception last season, uh, and he and he threw the only touchdown in the in that game against the Bucks as well. So you know, last Saints quarterback to throw a touchdown, the next Saints quarterback to throw a touchdown. No, 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 no. <laughs> just, just just before we go to the top two, I, I have to say because I've, I've you know I've glanced at the draft and various things. I have to say I really love pick eighty three for the Carolina Panthers, the tight end Tommy Tremble. I mean that that just it's just a brilliant name. Uh, I love Tommy Tremble. Um, it just yeah, I'm going to look out for him this year. See if he makes it. <laughs> um, so yeah, we've obviously we'll touch on the the London games in a in a minute because the the games that we're getting this year have been announced uh, both at the Spurs Stadium, both a week apart. Week five, week six, week five, the Atlanta Falcons will be facing the New York Jets, and in week six, the Jacksonville Jaguars will be playing the Miami Dolphins. Um, if you're a Jags fan, you've seen plenty of them in the UK. I tell you what, if you're a Dolphins or a Jets fan, you've seen plenty of them as well, uh, and they're coming back once again. Jim, obviously. For us in the UK, it's a great opportunity to see two, well, the top two picks in the draft, two exciting upcoming quarterbacks that people rank very, very highly, who we know will be starting for their teams. So in that sense, it's, uh, uh, you know, even with Tua at Miami, we've got a very youthful Miami Dolphins team coming and old man Ryan, uh, fine. You know, it's good to see uh, uh, the the second best quarterback now in the NFC South. Sorry, Paul. Um, (laughs) Any any opportunity for a cheap shot, but do you know what? There's there's we'll talk about the value of those games, but certainly if you look at the the potential of the prospects, very exciting to see these young guys and see them in action. Yeah, and the other thing you didn't touch on too was there, there's a lot there's a lot of intrigue about what's Urban Meyer going to do. You got a brand new coach, 
you know, first year, you know, he's, you know, he's kind of flapping, you know, he, he's kind of doing what urban does. He, you know, he went against the grain, obviously bringing in Tim Tebow, which everybody's all bent out of shape and making Kaepernick, you know, comparisons <laughs> and all that. It's like, come on, man. You know, the guy has a personal relationship with him. He's one of the greatest college football players to ever play. You're not asking him to play to quarterback in the NFL. You're asking him to be an H back. Yeah. And he's in and then look at him. He's 245. He's in good shape. Yeah. I mean, maybe maybe all they're looking for him is is because you know he's a great locker room guy. I mean, his speeches are unbelievable. You know, he did he did have a playoff win when he started, you know, for for Denver over Pittsburgh in an unbelievable game. So and he could be a guy that would run he would run down on special teams and knock your head off. The guy's gonna do whatever you want. Why wouldn't you give a guy an opportunity, a proven guy like that, even though he hasn't been on the field? You know what he can do, and you know the kind of person he is. I, I think that I think it's a great pickup. I really do. And 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 if he gets cut, he gets cut. So yeah, what? Yeah, it's a nothing to lose pickup for sure. Nothing um, to lose. And yeah, there's a lot of bluster and noise with these sorts of things, and that's that's the nature. That's the nature of the off season as much as anything, isn't it? Everything's yeah. dialed up to twelve just purely because we've got nothing else to talk about. But yeah, I loved watching Tim Tebow first time around. I'm quite happy to watch him uh, down here in London as well. That, that you know, if I could get to that game, <laughs> a lot of the edge if he can make it for sure, for sure. But you're right; it's interesting to see what Arbor Meyer does. Uh, it feels like for Jacksonville, though, this is yet another fresh start. Um, they perhaps though haven't had a fresh start with a quarterback of this talent level and uh, a coach that's proven it at college level so much. Do you think, though, that there's a, a risk that because both have yet to really feature within the NFL, that you know there's a, there's a steep learning curve for both of them, both the head coach and the quarterback going in, starting week one as a quarterback, obviously head coach, it's his team now. Do you think that that steep, steep learning curve may work against them? Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's definitely going to be, um, a different element, uh, as far as coaching, you know, you, you can't coach pro guys the same way you coach college guys. You, you, you just can't, that, that, that's the biggest question mark T- to me. And in my opinion, I, I know urban's a great coach. He's one of the best coaches to ever coach every single place he's gone. He's won, whether it's Utah or Bowling Green or Ohio state or, you know, on and on, but so is Nick Saban. And still is Nick Saban, that guy. If you remember, to me, this is almost like Miami 2.0. Nick tried to go down there and, and coach those guys the way that he did at Alabama, putting the fear got him, and, it, and they went, he went 500. You know, he's one of the greatest coaches ever. He went 500. And then he, I, I, if I remember correctly, he ended up, you know, quitting in the middle of the season. So I'm not saying Urban's going to do that because I don't think he will, but there's going to be – you know, it's like, it's like when you get a puppy, I mean, there's going to be ebb and flow between the players and the coach until, all right, I know this guy's a great college coach. He's a rah-rah guy, but is his system, am I going to buy into the system and, and what he's doing and how he's doing it as, and maybe as a 10 year pro, those are the guys he's going to have to win over. If they're rookies and young players, they're going to do what he says all, all day long. It's the veterans that you got to win over. Yeah, and I think that's where bringing Tim Tebow in helps. Tebow brings with him a level of credibility, likability, and as Jim said, you know, inspiration as well. You know, Tim Tebow doesn't do anything by half. I think it's a great pickup as well. I agree with you. Um, I'm not getting a Jacksonville Jaguars jersey with Tebow on it just yet, but I think he's a really interesting addition. And 
What's also interesting with, with with Jacksonville is it's almost like they've been two years away from being two years away from being good. Um, it is a clean slate. They have a generational talent. We are told in at quarterback, and if they could protect them, I think they're going to be fascinating to watch. I mean, you can't really ask for a better Week One matchup than going to the Texans, who are in turmoil. Uh, they then host the Broncos. You know, they could go two and zero to start, and that would give them the boost that they need. They better get wins on the board quickly because their schedule once they come back from London is fairly brutal. Um, so I, th- I think this is interesting. Miami, who are, you know, a really good, potential good team, you're taking that game out of their backyard to somewhere else, essentially a neutral venue. So, you know, I, I think that's a really positive thing that two of the first six games are away games, if you like. The other three home games and one on a neutral site I think it's a great lead in for the Jacksonville Jaguars. It's interesting as well the point that you made Jim about um, you know the, the young college guys are going to go on this journey much easier than the experienced pros and, and Jacksonville have kind of moved on a lot of those guys that you would imagine are those big characters the Jalen Ramseys uh, is the guy who immediately springs to mind the Yannick Ngokwe even and players like that who potentially young but vocal noisy would perhaps rebel against being treated in that way whereas actually that that Jacksonville depth chart has still got a lot of youth to it it's still got a lot of guys that have perhaps had the opportunity even James Robinson at running back um obviously you know it's 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 interesting to see how um he's going to come in and how's he going to play with Etienne and uh you know Carlos Hyde's in the mix there as well they've got one hell of a a, a running back room so stable yeah, absolutely. And Marvin Jones is a more experienced wide receiver. I think that's a great pickup. Uh, LaVisca Chenault had a great breakout season. DJ Chark, we know, is very capable. There's a lot of talent in that team, and it doesn't necessarily feel like there's a lot of massive characters you think might rebel against that type of leader in Urban Meyer. So that might be the perfect storm in the perfect situation for him to go in and, and start building the way he wants to do things. You know, one thing people don't aren't talking about with Jacksonville, and I mean, because they were down last year, but Garden Minshew was an animal his rookie year. You know, the, the I mean, he had the stash flowing, he had the curls, you know, whatever he was rocking, man. They were they were picking up what he was laying down. I mean, 37 touchdowns, 11 interceptions. You know, he played, you know, pretty pretty well last year. You know, as a rookie, threw 21 touchdowns and uh, six interceptions. His, his, his rating is 93-1. So, I mean, you've got a great backup, but for some reason Trevor Lawrence does get hurt. He's got a lot of experience. Um, and, you know, talking about that, you know, that, that guy with that kind of bravado, I mean, he, he brings some of that, you know, he's had some of that, you know, in the, in the media with, with stash and, you know, people wearing them at the games and t-shirts and the whole deal. So it'd be interesting to see how him and urban get along and, um, you know, see how he deals with the fact that, um, Trevor Lawrence is coming in and he's the guy. So can I ask you both a simple question and it just need a simple answer. How many primetime games, the Jackson Jaguars Jacksonville Jaguars scheduled to play this season. How many primetime games? Oh, I don't know off the top of my head. I'm going to guess three. Jim, two, zero. Oh. <laughs> and the TV schedulers rarely get it wrong. Now, obviously, there's flexible scheduling later on in the season, but they are as good a solid one o'clock team as you're going to get according to the schedule and TV guys rarely get it wrong and that would worry me that the number one draft pick is not getting a national TV game yes you get the Thursday night game 
which I understand, but I'm talking about, you know, your, your Sunday night football, your Monday night football, etc. That is nowhere near uh, any any of these. They don't even have potentially, you know, the, the CBS or NBC game of the week, um, you know, the four, four o'clock, 425 one either. So that kind of tells you a little, but, you know, given what might happen, you know, if he does get them off to a good start, we might see a few games flexed out. We might see them a little bit of national attention. So again, I'm wondering, and the, the point we're making is if they're going to go under the radar a little bit because they're not going to get that national attention. You certainly think that would benefit them. If that is going to be the case, if again, if you're a quarterback and you're going into the limelight, um, and actually, in a way, it may be in a better situation than Wilson is in New York because there's the New York expectation and the New York press, and we know what they, they are like. So, you know, it's actually the 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 Trevor Lawrence situation um, might be the better one, and actually not being prime time. It'd be interesting to know what the Jets are. I don't know if you have that handy, Paul. I'm now putting you on the spot. <laughs> well, of course, I will go to my Statcast desk uh, and work that out for you if you give me a second. But um, obviously, you know, he's gone into that situation. Both teams are going through changes. Both teams' new head coaches. I guess Robert Sala is a very different beast to Urban Meyer. Um, but Zach Wilson goes into the Jets uh, with a focus moving from the defensive side of the ball and the defensive picks to the offensive side. Uh, they've tried to get him some weapons in there as well, uh, Jim. So, you know, Zach Wilson, there's a lot of expectations. There was... Some people saying, oh, you know, there's always that chatter afterwards. In, in my book, in my play, he was the number one overall and should have been number one. But the, New York clearly knew that was their guy. They knew who they were getting. They've been able to plan for this for a long time, which is a unique set of circumstances as well, meaning they can set out the rest of their draft knowing who they're going to get. Uh, and that could well play into the hands of Wilson as well. They, they had a phenomenal draft. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you. Were you going um, to tell us zero there, Paul? Zero. Zero. <laughs> zero. <laughs> But what I mean, what a draft they had, and I, I really ro- like Robert Saleh, and um, I know that he's going to be one of those guys that he's going to be a player's coach. You can just tell by the way that he ran San Francisco's defense that there was a lot of respect, and they liked playing for him. <clears throat> Excuse me. He's going to bring that to New York, and you know, let's look at their draft. They, they took Wilson, obviously, with the second pick, is QB. You got Vera, the offensive lineman, the 14th pick from USC. Then you take. Elijah Moore, the big-time receiver out of Ole Miss. Then you take the running back from Carolina. I mean, that is four solid picks right off the bat. And then they finish it out with a, with two safeties, the three corners, and a D lineman. So to your point about trying to get this defense better, um, they definitely did. There's going to be a lot of young players, but they're going to be flying around. I would have to think that with there being so many rookies and with guys that are going to have opportunities to play right away, that you, you know, defensively, you don't want to try to do too much with young guys. Just give them four, four basic, you know, defenses or whatever that number is, and just let them get very, very good at. It. As opposed to trying to do, you know, a bunch of different blitzes and show different looks. Just line up, you know, give them a couple looks, make them beat us. Let's not beat ourselves by lining up and, and you know, the wrong, wrong position or, you know, calling the wrong, you know, calling the wrong defense to that formation. Just make it easy for those guys just to let them fly around on defense. I'm excited about the Jets. I think that. With this new coach, there is that, you know, excitement back into New York. But as you said, after spending time, you know, a little ways away uh, being in Buffalo, New York media is New York media. And wherever there's New York media, they are absolutely brutal and they want to win and they want to win now. And they don't want to hear excuses. Just tell me what we need to do. So. 
It's going to be a fun season. Good luck to you, Zach. He'll look forward to the peace and quiet of London, I'm sure. (laughs) Um, And then, Paul, we need to talk about the games themselves. Obviously, this was announced by the NFL UK, by the NFL as part of the schedule release. We got it early. Uh, You and me were online quickly booking our hotels, hopeful that we're going to get tickets and that we'll get down there and see some football this year. Both games taking place at Spurs, uh, cut from four games to two, I guess, given the, the easing of the travel restrictions and what have you. Feels like a sensible approach for this year, rather than try and do all four and then feel that you can't do it, so you pull out all four. Do two, do it at one location, and I'm happy to take that if it means those two games are on. Yeah, I mean, I would have scheduled the four, but I, you know, I'm like that. I would have just gone for it. I would have liked to seen at least one game at Wembley Stadium. The Tottenham Hotspur Stadium is stunning. Um, for anybody that doesn't realise, I mean, it's built as an NFL stadium as well. You know, there are full dressing rooms, absolutely every facility that you would get. And you would argue it's actually a better facility than some of the existing stadiums in the States. The pitch for soccer moves out. The NFL pitch is underneath. They've got absolutely everything there. From a fan's perspective, it's in a stinking location because it's hard to get to, uh, certainly compared to Wembley. And the surveys that we've done, everybody said that, you know, it's a great stadium once you walk into it roundabout it is not a great place for tailgating, meeting up, watching games afterwards, travelling to get there. It's not designed for 60,000 away fans. Um, so there's all sorts of things. The other thing, and I, I want, you know, Jim's smile, I mean, the Jets, Falcons and the Jags, Dolphins, I don't think would set your pulses racing if you were to look at the slate of games in week five and week six. I don't think they'd be high up necessarily against some of the other games. But the clever thing is they'll sell out over here. They give an extra couple of games to the NFL Network or CBS, whomever it might be, early morning in the USA. So that's interesting. Um, Am I overly excited? To be honest, not about either game, uh, because I think the NFL have almost done the dirty on us and shoved us with games that are a bit meh, to be honest. We've got the Florida Derby, and we've got... (laughs) <laughs> Broadway Zach Broadway Zach's on his way what do you mean we've got cool... Harry's bring back the fur coat man absolutely yeah, absolutely yep. <laughs> I'm all for it you know um, yeah but I, you know but wouldn't you like to see Justin Herbert and the Chargers wouldn't wouldn't have that been good you know something like that to me would have been exciting the quarterbacks who've had yeah. a year or two years to develop and you know Cardinals you'd love to see the Cardinals you know you know Kyler Murray so we're getting the quarterbacks, to me, almost just a little bit too early. Um, I mean, it will still be, there'll be two fantastic days out. There's absolutely no doubt about that. And because, it, Jim, you'll like this because we're Scottish. We're very frugal about these oh, things. Yeah. The hotel room that I have booked for London for the night of the Jets-Falcons game is currently booking at £81 a night, and I got it for 36 So... Smart stuff here. Smart stuff. Round of applause. Yeah. I love it. <laughs> yes, I'm man can bargain shop. I was able Absolutely. to I was able to jump in early as well. I had preempted when I thought the uh, the dates would be. So I actually had the rooms booked and sitting in the in the shopping cart as such. I was all lined up and as soon as they made the announcement, I was like, Yeah, that's the dates I've got. Book. So all done and dusted, cheapest possible rate that I could get. 
uh, I ain't paying a penny more than I need to. I need that money for beer. It's pretty much my approach to that one. So, <laughs> uh, and listen, Jim, we'll need to try and get you over to a game in the UK at some point. We're coming to the uh, the Hall of Fame at some point, so we'll get you over here. Uh, and, you know, the beer in there is pretty good. It's got its own microbrewery in the stadium. So, you know, the the, the beers are good. The beers are good. Is um, it, let me ask you a question, and it's been a minute since I've been in Scotland. <laughs> Has the beer gotten any colder, or is it still room temp? It's colder. It's definitely colder. I promise. I promise. Uh, we, we've learned. We've learned a little. <laughs> um, yeah, no, it's it's um, it's good. That they've spent a lot of money on this stadium. And let me tell you, the atmosphere is great as well. And I think that having been to NFL stadiums, Wembley for me is a bit spacious. Um, and, and the NFL stadiums, I've got this very good. I don't I'm not quite sure how they achieve it. Lots of leg room, but not necessarily a loss of depth. To, to the whole thing, which means that you don't feel like you're sitting in this massive theatre miles away. With with Wembley, I felt quite far back from the action. Spurs, definitely not. You feel right on top of it. It's very steep, uh, and it's a great place to watch football. Paul's right. It's a bit of a pain in the arse when you're trying to get away from it afterwards. It's not the best connected by trains, so you either leave early enough you get a local pub, or you wait around long enough and you stay at the bar in the stadium until everyone else is gone. You figure out your, you, you got to get your strategy right if you're going to maximize your drinking time and you're not going to miss any of the action that's on the telly <laughs> afterwards. So, you know, there's a there's a fine tuning needs to still take place on this. But, I, you know, what? I'm looking forward to it. We didn't get anything last year at all. Nobody really got to see any football. Let's Let's look forward to getting back down to London. Let's hope we get tickets. Let's hope the place is rocking. Uh, and it'll just be great seeing live American football again. The Tottenham Stadium is brand new, right? Yeah, yeah. I, I saw it was funny because I was I was flipping channels the other day on NBC and they're they're showing a lot of European soccer over here now. Um, and I saw the stadium and I I, I was trying to remember because I, I think I played in Tottenham Stadium when I was over there either in '95 or '96. I, I can't remember for sure, but I saw you know it was just you know big and white and it just it looked like an unbelievable facility. Um, I think the NFL guys are going to be really excited about it. And the, and the crowds in Europe are, are different. You know, you know, I, I did a, a Q&A talking about, you know, not too long ago, talking about my experience in NFL Europe. And it's like, listen, man, the best way for me to describe it is you go to a party and a football game breaks out. The fans were <laughs> unbelievable. You know, the tailgates and, you know, he had the horns and whistles. And I mean, it was it was like playing football in front of a soccer crowd. And you know, it was, it was a very unique experience that, a, you know, a lot of NFL guys don't get because they don't allow any of those kinds of things. So I love the fans over in Europe had such a great experience. I get excited, you know, that they're trying to bring it back uh, um, over the pond again for, to get you guys more games, which which they should. It's an unbelievable market. There's there's a ton of guys that still want to see American football. And, you know, hopefully, like you said, that, you know, as things progress, you, you know, we'll see better teams over there and, and bigger matchups. And maybe it's you know, on the verge of a playoff, you know, if, if they win, they're, they're in, if they're, they lose, they're out, you know, hopefully we get some of those games over there. Yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah. And uh, incidentally, you did in 95, when you were at the Monarchs, they played at White Hart Lane. Um, so you are at the old Spurs stadium um, and that's where the Monarchs played at that point. So um, yeah, I, it, it really is an impressive facility. And, and as Paul says, they've designed it for American football as well. So you've got massive Mark. concourse. Uh, you've got bars all the way around, loads of food stalls, and that's not necessarily something that you get um, for for soccer, for our football, because you can't drink while the game's on. You can only drink uh, before the game and uh, halftime and after the game. Therefore, there's not 
necessarily an urgency to have as many bars. <laughs> There's plenty of bars. You don't have to queue, and it's great. And they've built these facilities with these new pour from the bottom up, so it's fast-pouring beers. They are churning it out, which means that you're not missing any of the action. Um, it's It's great definitely the area around it needs some work and I think hopefully over time that's something they'll do as Paul says it's a stadium that's not been built with 60,000 away fans you know normally the for the soccer for Spurs there's a lot of locals going to the game and therefore they're not all traveling by train pretty much everybody's going to this location by train because there's nobody really staying around it so um yeah they'll they'll fine-tune it they'll improve it they'll they'll perfect it uh, and then there's chat obviously if the NFL you know, taking games to Germany from next year. And, you know, again, that's the next one for the NFL Scotland road trip. Germany, damn straight. It's probably cheaper to get to Germany than it is to get to London. So we'll definitely be at that if we can get tickets. So that's another one to look forward to as well. Yeah, Germany is an outstanding place. I would love to go. The, the, the change that they've made with White Hart Lane, you, you've played on that ground. What they did was basically turn the stadium around. Uh, so they actually built part of the new stadium while they were still playing in the old stadium. So they're on exactly the same site. They just turned the stadium around. And it's quite a, a feat of engineering as well. So they're, they're still playing on the same ground on which you played. Yeah, absolutely. Interesting. So, yeah. Anyway, we've been going at this for an hour. So that's the full-time whistle for episode 147. Thank you for taking the time to listen. Please share your thoughts on this, as you do with every episode, on social media, at Scotland NFL on Twitter, and search for NFL Scotland on Facebook. And we're delighted to have had Jim Ballard, the newest member of the NFL Scotland podcast team, on with us this evening, giving you all the insights on what's happening at the quarterback position. Do check out our social media. Check out the NFL Scotland website. Cameron Lyon, the rest of the guys will be back very soon for more chat about the NFL. Until then, stay safe. Bye for now.